Hello, everyone. Ahlan wa sahlan. 欢迎大家的收听 Welcome to this episode of the podcast series on Sino-Minor Trade and Investment Relations. I'm Min Chao Zhao, head of Belt and Road Research at Arabia Monitor, a London-based research think tank specializing in the economies, geopolitics, and markets of the MENA region. The purpose of this podcast is to give you a quick weekly analysis on notable developments in Sino-MENA relations. Be sure to follow us on social media on this topic. Welcome to this special edition of my podcast series, where I've invited my first guest to join me for a dialogue. The reason why I wanted to invite more people onto my podcast is first to offer you more perspectives, especially from those who actually work in this field of China-Mina trade and investment relations. In my daily work of research on this topic, my work simply cannot be complete without speaking to them on a daily basis and knowing what's on their mind. And to be honest, there's another reason why I want to introduce them to you, or at least my first guest, who is also a good friend of mine, is that at the end of the day, the essence of China-Mina relations is about people, and I believe people who work in this unique field, some of them are really fascinating and interesting persons, not just professionals. So I do hope that this podcast can introduce more of them to you. Even it's just through my questions and、uh, answers with them, and I hope that you will feel towards the end that you've made a new friend, and hopefully this new friendship would help you understand a little bit more about Sino-Mina relations. So my first guest, who would of course introduce himself, is Mustafa Amar. For those who don't know about him, he was an Egyptian diplomat to Beijing for many years before starting to work for the AIB with a strong focus on the MENA region. So I thought, who can be better than Mustafa himself、uh, to come onto the podcast and speak with me in the next、um, an hour or so? This podcast will be divided into two parts, so please feel free to choose either part to start with. But I would say that、uh, stay on for the entire episode because he truly he is truly a very fascinating person for you to know. Here we go. First, I want to say thank you very much, Mustafa, for coming onto this podcast. Episode with me. You are actually my first guest, so thank you for doing this. I've known you for about three, four years since your time at the AIB. I must say that it's always great meeting someone who has a similar synergy, and in our case, it's the languages. So speaking both Mandarin and Arabic, but also lived and worked in both China and the MENA region, and in your case, who's worked actually inside the MENA. Trade and investment relations, and being one of the people who are actually driving forward this relationship. So Mustafa, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself for those who don't know you personally? Sure. Thanks a lot, Mintiao. Thanks for、uh, this opportunity. I really, over three four years, enjoyed working with you on different aspects,、uh, and were mostly focused on.、Uh, China, Mina, and at the same time, I mean, we develop a kind of friendship. 
uh, we used always to meet in uh, either in China or or, uh, or in London, and sometimes planning visits in the Middle East as well. Um, so I am Mustafa Mar. I am uh, I'm a former diplomat. I work uh, as an Egyptian diplomat in uh, several countries. I was in uh, China. I worked as well in uh, Malawi in Africa, and I worked in the UN for uh, a short while. Uh, I spent in China almost 10 years, so the last 10 years of my life I, I was in China, and that led to my uh, other uh, career shift in my life. So I work um, uh, as a private sector operations specialist in uh, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, AIIB. So I've been there since 2016, so almost four years. Uh, before that, I had another life. I work as a pharmacist. So I was, uh, my major in university was uh, pharmaceutical science. So uh, uh, I spent three years of my life working as a pharmacist while I was preparing myself to be a diplomat studying uh, uh, politics, economics, international law, free languages, and other things. And uh, uh, Every single uh, uh, step in my life make me, you know, feel feel much uh, enjoying. But a uh, big part of my life was focusing on China and the Middle East. So I'm, I'm very happy to talk to you today on this uh, aspect. Oh, wow. Thank you, Mustafa, for that introduction. There are so many elements in your experiences that we want to know more about. So why don't we start from your diplomatic life then? We all know that Egypt stands out as a key country for both Chinese exports and mega infrastructure projects and has always been an attractive market for both state-owned and private entities from China. For example, I'm always being contacted about setting up factories in Egypt or exporting goods and products to Egypt. Many of the infrastructure deals and projects have actually been orchestrated and coordinated by you. So um, can you please tell us a little bit more about those projects? What was your first project? What was your proudest project? Sure. Uh, I would just go back a little bit to the history because I was in charge of China um, as a desk officer back in Egypt um, since January 2010. So, um, so the whole 2010, I was uh, learning a lot about uh, about China, but on paper, I decided to go to China for a week to see the country that I'm working on on paper for the first time in my life. And that was in 2010. Uh, I went there for a week and uh, I didn't have any plans uh to to stay longer but after that week i decided to say here i want to come back here i want to study chinese i want to work in this nice country and uh, uh it happened like this i found an opportunity two months later to study chinese the whole 2011 i was in in china uh, studying Chinese in Weizhou Xiuan, uh, China Foreign Affairs University. Um, and then after that, I went back to Egypt for a few months. I was again handling uh, China uh, uh, as China desk officer back again. So it added to my experiences. And that actually really, you know, uh, encouraged me to apply for um, a position to work in uh, the Egyptian embassy. Um, I started there the, in 2012, 
uh, I didn't uh, um, I didn't start on working on on the bilateral relations, but after uh, a year from then, I I was handling bilateral relationship. Uh, that was something I was always working on since I was in Egypt. So building on that, I had the experience for almost three years before the right time comes. Um, with a new ambassador in 2013, uh, he had an experience as well in China. He was working before as uh, DCM um, or um, uh, deputy ambassador in, uh, in, in China. So he had a lot of experience in China and he had a lot of uh, uh, very interesting ideas and, and visions, Mr. Magdi Amr. Uh, so we orchestrated something that we, we, we built a nice team that understand China very well uh, and, uh, and you know, knows how to get things done. And it started working from there. That was in 2013. Uh, moving on, on, on many ideas, uh, from uh, political ideas to uh, economic ideas to uh, FDI to even cultural ideas. We really enjoyed working in that year. It wasn't easy, but we were, uh, uh, we were trying to, you know, get things done on a step-by-step -step basis. Uh, for example, one of the ideas in, 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 in December 2014, uh, both presidents, uh, Xi Jinping and, and uh, Sisi, both of them, they signed uh, an agreement on a comprehensive strategic partnership between both countries. And that's the highest level of relationship between China and any other country. And uh, from my side, um, it was very interesting because I got this idea one year earlier uh, because I knew from another diplomat, another country, that they are discussing the same thing. And I thought, I mean, Egypt and uh, China has been always friends. The relationship has been there since 1956 and um, and i think egypt should be there and uh, we we started working on this talking to both parties back in egypt and in china and uh, the last three months before uh, both presidents signed i was actually working on the negotiations um with the chinese party so uh, it was very interesting you know uh, negotiating every single item in the agreement and then seeing it signed by both presidents. So uh, that was very, very interesting. Uh, from then, we started working on uh, what we call Chinese uh, production capacity projects in Egypt. So uh, on that visit in December 2014, we agreed, uh, both countries agreed on a list of projects, which uh, luckily enough, I was uh, the focal point of all these projects. And things started from there. Uh, was very interesting time since then. Um, uh, I was almost on a daily basis working with Chinese companies, uh, Egyptian companies, uh, uh, both sides, uh, governmental sides. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Mofcom and uh, and uh, on Egypt side as well, Ministry of Investment and uh, Chinese banks, Sinoshore. So I was really in the middle of all of this. Uh, Somebody had to really collect all this information in every single place. There is somebody, of course, who knows a lot about this one single project or two projects or so. But somebody had to, you know, build an umbrella for all of this uh, and know all the details. Uh, and this is what we were trying to do. The ambassador, Mr. Magdi Amir and myself, 
we were trying to work hard on this uh, and, and, and build something that will continue, of course, after we leave. Uh, and that was very interesting time for me. Oh, wow. We can really say that you are the conductor for the orchestra that's called the Strategic Partnership between China and Egypt. And what I find really interesting is that in Arabia Monitor, we always say that we started covering Sinomina relations six months before President Xi Jinping announced Belt and Road Initiative. And in your case, you started 12 months ahead of time. So I think it's fair to say that we have similar visions for how we would, we would like to see China-Mina relationship uh, evolve. I'm actually really curious about your diplomatic life for all sorts of reasons. And one of them being, of course, Dr. Florence's husband is a top UK diplomat to the MENA region. So, Mustafa, I want to ask you, is good diplomatic relations a must for good trade and investment relations? Absolutely. That's, uh, uh, that's an essential part of, of the relationship. So... Uh, we have witnessed it in bilateral relations between other countries. When relations are in a good mood and they are advancing, then the FDI part, the trade part, is is very crucial and very important. Um, and that actually, I would, uh, I mean, I would when when I look at uh, the bilateral relations between Egypt and China uh, since early 2010 until now, I would see that it was going really up uh, i mean sometimes of course during the uh, uh, the uprising or revolution in egypt uh, things went a little bit slow uh, sometimes on hold for some projects but if you see right after that or let's say since uh, late 2014 things started picking up very very quickly if the eye went went very high after that uh, the list of projects, the list of Chinese companies operating in Egypt went from a very small number that was only working the Chinese economic zone in uh, uh, Suez Gulf, uh, to a bigger, bigger number that is working across the whole country uh, from the new uh, Suez Canal economic zone to the new capital. Uh, to, to different other, uh, even major projects that both sides are still discussing until now. Yes, I agree. I went to Cairo two years ago. To be honest, I found it surprising. I mean, I, I technically shouldn't be finding it surprising. That is, the scope of cooperation has really expanded over the past years. It really started from exports and then gradually moved to setting up factories, of perhaps textiles, automobiles, etc., to massive infra projects like building roads and railways, and even to you know plans of uh, property development. While we know coordinating trade investments is a key to your diplomatic life, I also know that you are very passionate about culture and people-to-people -people exchanges. I actually have seen video clips of you teaching some Chinese artists singing a very famous Arabic song, as well as teaching them some old Egyptian dance. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, I personally, I sing traditional Chinese opera myself, so this is an area that I'm particularly keen to hear more about from you. That was uh, one of the sweetest uh, time ever I, I I had in China. I mean, I mean, all the time was nice. But when you have this connection, 
uh, with people. Um, it's really very interesting, you know, or sometimes you work only on paper, sometimes you spend uh, uh, big times on organizing events or, or having such high level uh, visits. But at the same time, when you, um, or when you talk to people, when you uh, have a better understanding, because in general, you know, culturally, people are different, and uh, uh, people maybe um, it's not easy for them to to know a lot about other cultures and other countries unless they are open, you know, to this. And uh, one of the most interesting uh, experiences I had in, in in China and in my life uh, was to uh, to be in touch with that uh, uh, troupe. So that was. Uh, uh, a troupe, it's, it's called Beijing uh, uh, Art Troupe, and uh, uh, the dancers are all deaf and mute, but they dance beautifully, uh, uh, you know, orchestrated by their uh, trainers and teachers. At the same time, uh, there are two very nice uh, uh, singers who are uh, on wheelchairs. And uh, I remember the first time uh, as an embassy, we visited them. I, uh, it was very interesting. They had some nice, uh, uh, some nice ideas, uh, some nice performance. Uh, of course, mostly uh, reflected their uh, their Chinese tradition. There are a lot of uh, very interesting performance. But uh, when I saw them, I say, why not? You know, we can do something uh, uh, an Egyptian dance, or we can do something on on Egypt. Because first of all. Uh, they're going to enjoy doing something different. Secondly, uh, it's going to be interesting to have a Chinese troupe to, you know, to to do something uh, on on Egypt. And uh, I told them the idea. They liked it so much. I told them then it's a promise for me. And uh, of course, Mr. Ambassador, that we would have something on the Egyptian National Day. So let's start planning from now. Uh, after getting the approval from uh, the ambassador, uh, we started working on many ideas. So that was out of the scope of, um, you know, if you if you focus on the very serious things, maybe you would ignore all those cultural <laughs> things, cultural ideas. So, but I, I saw it as a part of my job. I um, and uh, in, in general, I have this. Um, uh, hobby of, of uh, I used to have, of course, not not now, uh, of singing. Uh, I like uh, listening to different songs, different uh, cultures, different languages. And at the same time, you know, I, I used to do some performance in the past when I was in university. So uh, we agreed on sitting together. So we designed a masterpiece performance from scratch. So uh, it's a it was a pharaonic uh, performance on an Egyptian uh, song. Uh, so we designed everything from the customs, how they wear everything uh, to look like pharaonic and to be very, very presentable. And at the same time, we work on the, you know, the choice for the song that they're going to dance uh, on as well. And then the movement. So uh, we had several, several, several sessions to talk and discuss in details, you know, uh, what could be the right move, um, uh, and and there, uh, they hired a very very popular uh, uh, dancer to teach them how to how to dance it. So we have several 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 discussions until 
uh, you saw it at the end, how it was. So that was very, very, very unique. Uh, I, I was invited by them several times after the National Day to uh, performances in, in Beijing and in other cities. And the amazing thing, when uh, the theater is full of people, when they see such a dance uh, or such a performance, they really feel happy. Uh, and, and they feel connected with Egypt, the mystery of um, uh, of the pyramids, the mystery of the culture and civilization. Uh, so I feel proud of having something like this. Uh, at the same time, um, uh, the two uh, uh, singers, uh, we had few discussions. They're supposed to have uh, uh, an English performance. Uh, but I told them, I think it's it's going to be very unique if you sing in Arabic. And they say, yeah, but we don't speak in Arabic. I say, yeah, I'm going to teach you. <laughs> no worries. So uh, we had only 10 days before the National Day. And uh, I was I work very late after I get things done. And then I just go to their performance theater. And uh, we sit together for a few hours every day trying to... <laughs> Uh, you know, sing the song in the right way. I the video me while I was singing it to know how to pronounce several letters because it's not really easy. And we kept on doing this. And uh, I was very, very proud of them when both of them sang on the stage uh, on that day. Uh, a very, very nice, uh, popular song by Dalida, Helwaya Baladi, uh, which is really very famous for Egyptians when they are out of. Egypt, they always sing the song, remember their countries, a lot of nice memories. And uh, yeah, that day was one of, uh, one of the days that I will always remember. And since then, we became so close friends. They used to invite me for events. Uh, they even celebrated my birthday sometimes. We used to meet always. Uh, that's a very nice part of my journey. Uh, how fascinating they must have sung it in Egyptian dialect. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they sang it in Egyptian dialect. Uh, uh, was so good because people actually uh, were amazed by the way they were singing. So to do this in 10 days wasn't really easy. They don't speak a word of Arabic. But at the same time, they did everything with love, which I think if you start doing any kind of work with love, and then you add other uh, aspects like professionalism, other things. But if you build it on love or passion, things will go very quickly or go very smooth. And uh, this is what they did. You know, they loved doing something for to sing for Egypt. Even if you recall in the video uh, that you saw at the end, even the singer said that we want to do it for Egypt. You know, we want to sing it for Egypt. So, uh, and uh, that's actually, you know, it's always memorable. I will never forget those nice moments. They are always my friends. We always talk to each other, send to each other, even that uh, I'm not in China now. Uh, but imagining the effect of such performances on people everywhere in, 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 in China, uh, that's actually very unique. The other thing is that that uh, Trupe, uh, they built something very nice, what they call it uh, the Silk Road uh, performance, and they brought some other performances from other countries and added this performance just in the middle, and it took almost the biggest part of it. And that's unique because they travel the world, you know, performing all these performances, including this one. So uh, I'm very proud of it.
You know what strikes me most is that for a lot of Chinese audiences, that might have been their first encounter with the Egyptian culture, and it was delivered to them from the disabled troupe of artists. To be honest, the disabled artists in China are very appreciated and respected. We appreciate their artistry very much. So I think that's something really special. You know, I started learning Arabic ten, eleven years ago. Um, but when I first started, I always sang our well Arabic songs in Fusha, which is the modern standard Arabic, because I didn't know any dialects back then. So I'm hoping that in the future, that I can listen to using in Egyptian dialect and perhaps even pick up a couple of、uh, Egyptian songs with you. Definitely, definitely, we can definitely work on one or two songs and、uh, <laughs> sing them by then. I mean, you were probably not expecting to be teaching Egyptian music and dance in China when you were working as a pharmacist. And after your diplomatic life, you began working with the、um, AIB, which again is a switch in your career. So, how and why did you join the bank? I know that you joined the bank around the same time as the bank was being set up in Beijing, and I also know that for a long time you were the only person from the Arab world and from the African continent who's working in the bank. So,、uh, how did you join the bank? Oh, that、uh, that's another interesting uh, story uh, because. In 2016, I was almost ready to leave China. My post、uh, to China was about to end, and、um, I was always thinking、uh, about okay, I've been in China for a long time. I I enjoy it. I I think I did my part. I tried to do my bit of sides together and every single negotiations and every single. Agreement on any deal, on any single project, but I think I still can do more. <laughs> that that was just、uh, an idea in, in my mind, but I I never thought how this can be, you know, developed to another reality. But luckily enough, you know, sometimes when you、uh, wish for something which you still don't know, <laughs> but at least you wish to do more for the relationship.、Uh, You you know the heaven hear you, you know, and the heaven hears you and and listen to you. Maybe you know,、uh, maybe there is a destiny to do something else. And、uh, how things started,、um, it was,、um, and as and the pharmacist to work in、um, multinational bank, especially an investment、uh, department. It's.、Uh, I don't want to say it's not easy, but it's even it's impossible to do because you need to have the、uh, requirements. But at the same time, I was handling Egypt membership in the bank、uh, along with other colleagues in, in the embassy. So I was attending the chief negotiators' meetings,、uh, being in charge of the bilateral relation side. I was、uh, coordinating a lot with. Um, uh, with a lot of meetings with、uh, bank management, so from the president of the bank uh, uh, to vice presidents, we used to have always ministers coming from Egypt, and I was always coordinating this. I started by coincidence. Somebody、uh, talked to me and say, "Why you don't work in this bank? Because you have the experience, you have the skills, and、uh, you always can bring both sides together." 
but for me it was uh, I, I didn't think of it but then another person came to me and spoke about the same thing in a week you know uh, and they don't know each other uh, so it was weird for me so when the third person came within two weeks and spoke about the same thing I thought that that might be a sign or I call it an omen to consider this you know maybe maybe why not and then everything started from there so I don't have any clue how things started but uh, there were always officials coming uh, for big visits which I was in charge of and uh, really uh, all of them they like the performance uh, they saw how things were done in, a, in a, an efficient and professional way and they saw the networking and the relationship that they had with with everybody and, and from from banks uh, to companies to government uh, and since then uh, it has been decided by the uh, governor of central bank of egypt to uh, second me to the bank for six months that was the the original plan it's just i am seconded for six months uh, and that's it. I work in investment department. Uh, wasn't easy uh, working with bankers from all over the world, from um, uh, people who work in commercial banks, people work in World Bank and others, other um, uh, MDBs. Uh, and I'm the only diplomat working in the uh, in the department at that time. Uh, I had to run very quickly, at least to you know be almost on the same pace with them. And uh, it was six months. I didn't have anything to lose. Uh, I said to myself, that's another nice and interesting challenge. I, I have to take it. If it comes to me, I have to take it. And I have to prove that um, I can do something different and special in, in the place. Uh, especially that it wasn't easy for a diplomat to work in an investment uh, department. And things started from there. Uh, our director general for investment uh, in this six months he he really liked the way I worked the hard working the value that I'm bringing because of my experience as you uh, early said uh, I, I was the only Arab and African uh, when I joined so there's a no a new perspective to uh, a new uh, region here uh, in the first year the bank was focusing on South Asia Southeast Asia but then uh, uh, my uh, focus was to bring the bank focus to other regions. So we focus on the Middle East. We did more work in Central Asia. And we even tried to go beyond that. And uh, this is how things started. Uh, after six months, the bank uh, asked me to join. And uh, we, we signed a contract. So we, uh, I work as uh, full staff at the bank. And that was another, uh, another level in my life. Um, I started doing my MBA in Manchester uh, since then. And uh, I finished it when I was uh, still at the bank. So that added more experience in terms of finance because I didn't have finance background, investment, uh, project management, and uh, private equity, and a lot of other things. Uh, but at the same time, I was capitalizing on my experience. Um, my diplomatic skills and negotiations, that's uh, something is, I think was very important. Uh, my uh, experience in business development. So uh, uh, my relationship with Chinese companies and their presence in Egypt or in the Middle East in general, 
my knowledge for the Middle East, especially um, as as uh, I am I am from the Middle East, so uh, I know the culture quite well. I know the markets well. Uh, so there were a lot of things you could capitalize uh, on, even if I am not born as a banker or or I'm not investing as investment specialist. Uh, but at the same time, I could focus on these things and learn more. So there was always rooms to learn every day. There's a lot to learn. It was an ocean for me. So I just have to <laughs> try to swim and uh, yeah, learn as much. Our conversation continues in part two of this episode. Please make sure that you head over and listen there. See you soon.